Welcome to Giant Cocktails, a podcast where two lifelong fans talk about the San Francisco Giants while drinking homemade cocktails. Now, here are your hosts, Ben and Matthew Henry. another episode of Giant Cocktails. I am your host, Ben Henry, alongside my brother, the bittersweet Matthew Henry. How you doing, Matthew? I'm doing great. I am... Maybe I'm not doing great. Maybe I'm doing great sometimes and not so great other times. Like I, there are, Maybe I'm it's conflicted. Good and bad. I'm bittersweet. Yeah. Yeah, it's bittersweet. It's bittersweet. It's bad and it's good. Okay. Okay. I'm I'm yeah. curious to know why I'm bittersweet. Uh could it possibly be because the uh the Dodgers uh, got swept from the playoffs? <laughs> that is so sweet. So sweet. <laughs> and predictable. Yeah. Yeah. And enjoyable. There's nothing like watching Dodger Nation just go into a frenzy over not winning the World Series after they made the playoffs. You would think that you they know, would learn by now that that's just the way it's going to be. Seriously. So first of all, like, you know, I don't know, 20 teams make the playoffs. Okay. Not the San Francisco Giants, <laughs> but we'll get to the bitter part. Right, technically it's 12, okay. but okay, I get your point. <laughs> right. So you have a, so theoretically, like, you know, flipping a coin, you have a, you have a one in 12 chance of winning the World Series. And you would think that 100 win teams would have a better chance but not the way that they've arranged the playoffs now. So, you know, you have equal or worse chance. So I think it's basically a coin flip for every series. So that means you have a 1 in 12 chance of making of winning the World Series when you make the playoffs. So it's really statistically difficult to do that. So they should understand that they're not going to win by, you know, by default. Like, if they win, it's kind of an accident. And that's true for whoever is going to win this year, the Phillies. But... When the Phillies win, it, it will be an accident, I guess, is what I'm trying to... Anyway, the Dodgers didn't win, and that's sweet. That's what I'm trying to say, Matthew. <laughs> and the Giants are not in it, so it's still bitter. It's the bitter part, because this is still the month of bitterness. Yeah. Yes. 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 Yeah, because, because, because the Dodgers getting knocked out of the playoffs just reminds me that the Giants aren't in the playoffs. And I know we're supposed to say, yeah, the Giants and Dodgers won the same number of playoff games. Yeah, except the Giants weren't in the playoffs, right? <laughs> like, if only the Giants were there to get embarrassed by the Diamondbacks. And let's face it, they would have been. No, wait, that already happened in September. <laughs> <laughs> well, it kind of begs, it, it goes back to that old question, is it better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all? So is it better yes. to have made the playoffs and lost than not to have made the playoffs at all? Yes. Yes, it is. It is. And that's why it's bitter. Got that's it. why it's bitter. You know, uh, I would much rather be the Dodger fans calling for Gabe Kapler's head right now because, you know, for the third season in a row where he has lost in the playoffs. Gabe Kapler or, or uh, Dave Roberts? <laughs> well, in our case, it would have been Gabe Kapler. Yes, yes. It would have been Gabe, Gabe Kapler's third playoff appearance in a row in my fantasy world. <laughs> uh, but instead of their reality where they're calling for Dave Roberts to be fired. I did see this, though, out on Twitter. Right. Because a lot of people, a lot of Giants fans were like, don't you dare hire Dave Roberts. 
And I was like, are Giants fans really like that? Are we really like that? We're like, we're really like, oh, oh, Dave Roberts. Yeah, we are because you were like that last week. Like, why don't people want to hire Dave Roberts, yeah, I, one of the I, best I, managers in baseball? Okay, because so he was a I, Dodger. I the the initial reaction is this visceral, like anti-Dodger kind of like response, and that was mine. Like, I just like heck no. But right upon reflection, Dave Roberts has made it to the playoffs what like six years in a row or you know or right. whatever and so right. uh why wouldn't you want a manager right. that's that successful right and and the counter argument that is but he's only won the world series once and the counter argument to that is the giants right. have made it they have, have won <laughs> well, zero during that time well no yeah. and the counter argument that is is that that's that's within statistical reason <laughs> yeah yeah. You're winning once out of last six seasons, that's yeah, that's that's good. <laughs> right. If you make the playoffs and you win the World Series once, that's good. <laughs> so so, you know, at least he's in the playoffs, you know, and and he's a good X's and O's manager. You know, I, I just I don't I don't understand why why people why people think that that he's he's bad because, you know, well, I, OK, I do understand what people say because he's a Dodger. Yeah. yeah and I and- get that. All I'm saying on this is just I don't want Clayton Kershaw. Just right, that's right. No Clayton well, Kershaw. Well, and that I don't want to dive too deep into this, but that did find that really interesting. The the Dodgers had a buy. They had six days to line up their three best pitchers to face the D bags, <laughs> and they came out with Kershaw in Game One, Miller in Game Two, and, and then and trade the, uh, acquisition at the deadline, Lance Lynn as their third, yeah. as their savior, and their backs against the wall in an elimination game. They ran Lance Lynn out, who apparently there. gives up more home runs than Ross Stripling. So than anybody. Uh, well, then wow, then Ross Stripling. I don't. I'm just. That's he did. A lot. He did the, on uh, in that particular no, game. No, he's given up more home runs than possibly anybody ever in the history of the game this season. Um, I, I, that's just stunning to me, right? I didn't care about the Dodgers. I didn't pay any attention to the Dodgers, but boy, apparently they had starting pitching issues. So you know, and I think ultimately, right? Like in 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 the playoffs, good pitching can hold down good hitting. Yeah. But good hitting torches bad pitching. And I think that's what you saw, because as much as we all think of the D-bags as being the D-bags, we all know what Gallon is like and what Kelly is like. Right? Giants fans. Yeah, right. Yeah. We know how good that team is, especially. And we know that they got gamers. So it's not shocking for us to say, like, of course, the D-bags can beat the the Dodgers, you know, in any given day. And when they're throwing Lance Lynn out there and Miller and a, and a, you know, old Kershaw, it's suddenly you're like, this, this doesn't not that surprising at all. Okay. But that's enough about the Dodgers. Clearly the Dodgers had rotation issues. They needed better players, which brings me to my question of the day, Matthew. Okay. If you could magically acquire any current major league player, and I, I mean, you know, the 30 teams, 30 major league teams currently on a major league team. So no prospects, mm-hmm. no Japanese players for the Giants. Who would it be? Oh, boy. Uh, that's tough. I My first inclination is to say Mookie Betts because it would remove him from the Dodgers. So Ooh, you get like, like a that. you get like a double whammy there. Right. Yeah. Uh, but. I think my true would be Ronald Acuna Acuna Jr. would be my. 
Yeah. Because I mean, his his weighted runs created plus this season was 170, which is basically <laughs> which I know isn't that funny. Which is basically a Austin Slater and Mitch Haniger combined into one. I mean, that's uh that's wow. that's you know, their combined weighted runs created plus were about what uh, uh what Acuña had last year. I mean, isn't isn't that just Austin Slater's like uh <laughs> Never mind. I'm surprised that Hanniger was that good. Yeah, uh, good point. Yes, uh, but uh, yeah, I think Ronald Acuna Jr. would be my guy. What about you? I, I mean, yeah, I think he's the obvious answer. You know, I um, honestly, well, mainly because I mean, he's also 26 years old. Yes, right. I mean, so I think that's yeah. I mean, that's the thing. He's the, the best age. player in baseball, and he's young. Exactly, and. Uh, I think he's exciting. He's young. Uh, he is the best player on the offensive side of the ball. I think in all of baseball, I, you know, I'm looking at the rest of these names and you know what? The only other name that jumps out at me is Corbin Carroll. I mean, it, it, it I mean, uh, yeah, like bets, obviously Freeman. Great. You know, Otani. Great. But like, Otani has hurt himself, you know, Betts and Freeman are both getting a little old there, but you look at Corbin Carroll and Acuna and these guys are the future of the league and they're going to be great for the next five to 10 years. And, or at least they're going to be dominant superstars for the next three. Quite frankly, that's all I care about. (laughs) Well, here's an interesting stat for you. As far as like the giants wanting to get younger and more athletic, right. Uh, As a team, this last season, they stole 57 bases. That's 57 more bases than you stole. It is, but it's uh it's it's like I can't do the math right that fast, but it's like, you know, 17 fewer bases than Ronald Acuña Jr. stole by himself. <laughs> it's it's uh it's three more than Corbin Carroll stole by himself. So, uh when you talk about getting younger and more athletic, I mean, these are the guys yeah. that are actually doing it. The Giants were just talking about it. Right, right. The uh yeah, yeah. None of these are a Mitch Haniger or a Michael Conforto or a Jock Peterson. All guys the Giants signed going into the twenty twenty three season. Yes. No. I mean, I think it's Acuna. I'm going to throw Corbin Carroll names out there just because. I mean, well, because he deserves it, quite frankly, and he would be fun and exciting because he's so darn young. But anyway. Today is Sunday, October 15th, as we record this podcast. The Giants didn't play because they're not in the playoffs. Um, the standings are that they're not in the playoffs, and uh, nobody's hot and nobody's not because they're not in the playoffs. Uh, I don't know what, what did happen. Oh, we did finally get news, Matthew, about some people that the Giants have interviewed, but we're going to talk about that later in the show, right? There was a, there was a little bit of silence. We didn't hear anything, but suddenly some news has come out. So the the internal candidates have been interviewed. Yeah, that's right. The internal candidates have been interviewed. So we're going to talk about that. 
some newer names have also been added to the list that a lot of speculation about some of these names. But now they have been like, yes, we are definitely going to talk to these people. Uh, So we're going to talk about that. But it really does mean that we're kind of in this limbo state. And so last week we promised that we were going to talk about what we think the Giants should do to the roster. And I want to stress that this isn't actually what we think they should do. Like, this is what we would do if we were in charge, right? Because obviously we should be. <laughs> and and we know better than everybody else except every single one of our listeners. So we thought we would put our ideas out there, and then while we're giving you our ideas, you could yell at your speaker or just out at the world. Like, I don't know, if you listen to us while you're running or something. That's remarkable. Can you imagine people listening to us while they're running, Matthew? <laughs> well, I, I, yeah. That seems, I, that seems impossible to me. It, it does. Uh, I listen to podcasts when I run, but I don't listen to us. And, <laughs> right, you know, right. You, just... you don't listen to a show about drinking when you're running? <laughs> <laughs> but if you are doing that, you can yell as you're running by kids in the park and they look at you like a weirdo when, you know, we say something that you disagree with, you can yell out your disagreement. And, and so, folks, folks, though, I do want to say that Ben is taking this very seriously yes. uh, and so seriously that he actually stopped drinking before we started recording this because he wanted right. to have a clear thoughts on on how to present his ideas on how to fix the Giants. Uh, I did not. I'm just I'm putting that out there right now. I'm on my second cocktail. But Ben right. stopped because man, he wants to he wants to actually sound like he knows what he's talking about. That's right. That's right. I only had my one cocktail today. Um and uh and so when I say later in the show what I'm drinking, I'm actually not drinking that. I'm drinking nothing. Um but but if you end up thinking that Matthew's ideas are better than mine, Hey, let us know so that I can take that feedback and just have an excuse to just always drink. <laughs> As if I needed one. <laughs> hey, folks, drink responsibly out there. Uh, yeah. So on that note, Matthew. Yes. Impress us with your trivia knowledge. All right, so this one has no tie-in whatsoever what's happening right now, but I thought it was interesting as I was kind of digging through frankly i was looking through the immaculate grid i was i was doing my immaculate grid mm, mm-hmm. and uh and i was looking at a player and and so i saw that there was a uh that this player had something in common with a current giant so today's mm. trivia question is what former padre slash dodger went to the same high school as casey schmidt and not at the same time i will tell you that Wow. So he was a Padre and a Dodger? He was. So that's a big hint right there. You know, you're NL West. Are there people? So. That's a, what a sad, what a sad existence that is. It is sad. It is sad. Uh, oh, and this is Casey Schmidt, the kid that you coached in Little League. <laughs> the kid who I cheered for from the Little League parade uh, down the main you street. You think maybe. Chula Vista. Yeah. If, I, maybe. If, if he was on the Chula Vista Little League All-Star team, which he probably wasn't. He probably wasn't. <laughs> it was, he probably missed it by a year or something like that. But, you know, whatever. <laughs> you know. Okay. 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 Went to the same high school as Casey Schmidt, but he's a former Padre and Dodger. Okay. I'm sure there are many former Padre Dodgers out there. 
Um, Swear to God, but I, if you say Rickert Finita, I'm, I'm going to just reach <laughs> to the screen here and strangle you. I know that Rickert only played for one major league team. <laughs> so Yoshi Shinjo now, he played for multiple teams, <laughs> but, but, but not the Padres. He was a Met. Um, uh, uh, I'm going to go with Steve Garvey. Steve Garvey. All right. Lock, locking but it in. He did play for I, both the Padres I, and the Dodgers. So I that know. is a good guess there. I, we will That's see. the only one I know. We, <laughs> <laughs> we will see uh, if Ben is correct at the end of this episode. All right. Enough with the banter. Let's talk cocktails. All right. Thanks, Bob. Thanks, Bob. Uh, and I don't have to ask you this time. I know it's my turn. Uh, because, uh, Ben last week was, you know, kind of on the other show, whatever he, it's my turn. Okay. That's all we need to know. It's my turn. Right, Bob. What are you drinking, Matthew? That's right. See, see, Bob knows, Bob knows, uh, today, Bob, I am drinking a fall cocktail called the tender knob. What's in a tender knob. It has one and a half ounces of bourbon. Knob Creek bourbon is traditionally used here, but I didn't have that. So I'm just using Elijah Craig, but whatever. Two ounces of hard cider, three quarter ounces of agave nectar, a pinch of cinnamon, a one slice of apple to muddle and a slice of apple for garnish. So in a shaker, you're going to muddle your apple slice until it's well ground up. You want lots of pulp. You want it to be really, really just just muddled to you can't even recognize that it's an apple anymore. Then you're going to add the bourbon, the apple cider, the agave and cinnamon to a shaker filled with ice and shake it until it's well chilled. You're going to strain into a double old fashioned glass filled with fresh ice, but you're not going to double strain. Why? Because you want some of those apple chunks that you've muddled to make its way into the glass. All right. And then you're going to garnish with an apple slice and maybe a little pinch of cinnamon over top. Right. And uh, when you take a sip, it will be like apple pie and fall all in one. So that is what I'm drinking today, Bob. The tender knob. Mmm. That's a tasty cocktail. Yes, Bob, it really is. I love fall. What are you drinking, Ben? Thank you for asking, Bob. That's very kind of you. Uh, today, I am continuing my month of bitterness. Because the Giants didn't make the playoffs. And uh, I am continuing that by continuing to drink a sweet vermouth cocktail. Now, some people might think this is the same exact cocktail as last week. But I would say nay. It is not. Why? Because people say so who are more (laughs) learned than I. But no, that is not true. If you want to hear all about why I think this is a very different cocktail from last week, and also how to learn to love something that you don't like, like, say, Dave Roberts, right? Then you can go hear me talk about Sweet Bermuth on last Thursday's show. Today, Bob, I am drinking the Manhattan, which comes with two ounces of rye whiskey. Bourbon would also be appropriate, but I believe that creates a very different cocktail and probably should have its own name, just like the Rob Roy has its own name when it uses scotch. 
but it doesn't. Either one of those would be fine. I'm using rye. I like the spiciness of it better than the bourbon. To that, you add one ounce of sweet vermouth. Not all sweet vermouths are the same. Pick one you like, or one that you hate the least, like I did. Then you add two dashes of Angostura bitters. You combine those ingredients in a mixing glass with ice. You stir until chilled, and then you strain into a coupe glass, and you garnish it with two brandied cherries. Use something fancy like a Luxardo. And you put those on a cocktail pick, and then you drop them into your very pretty cocktail, and then you drink it, and you accept it, like you accept that the Giants aren't in the playoffs. And that's what I'm drinking today, Bob, the Manhattan, and I'm really excited about it. (laughs) Really excited about it. So excited I'm not actually drinking it. But no, but that's because I want to be sobered because it's serious business today. How that's to right. fix what Farhan is broken. All right. Well, so Farhan has already started to try and fix things by letting go Gabe Kapler uh, before the season even ended. And now we are into managerial search mode. Yes. And Farhan said at the beginning of the offseason that there would be a few internal candidates. And we have learned that those internal candidates were indeed Mark Hallberg, Kai Correa, and we learned today, Alyssa Nakin. Alyssa Nakin. Wow. Which uh, was a surprise, but also maybe the answer, Ben. You know why? You know why it could be the answer? Why could it be the answer? Because women get shit done. You know, it feels like a trap, that statement. It feels like a trap. Um, okay, sure. You know, yes. I work for an organization that is traditionally two-thirds women. Mm-hmm. And I got to tell you, I mean, women just, just, they just do it. They don't look for credit. They don't look for, you know, for, they're just, let's just get shit done. And right. I respect the heck out of that. And I think Alyssa Nakin, you know, could bring if she brought that kind of attitude to the Giants, uh, it would go a long way. So I I think that that is an inspired choice. And I don't I don't I don't know how she interviewed. She is quite inexperienced and, and young. But the fact that she was in the mix to be interviewed, I think, shows that the respect that they have for her and what she's brought to the team so far. Well, okay. So I think you made a lot of generalizations there. And as a former hiring manager, I would say that you can't consider any of that when you're hiring somebody because that's against the law. But I will say this, and I will agree with you. She is very inexperienced. She is 33 years old. Uh, and I we did a little research before the show. <laughs> Just how young is young for a manager's position? And 33 is about is about it. Like that's, that's there's never young, been a manager younger than 33 and the 30, than 33. And we went back the to the 1800s. I mean, it's, well, yeah. they had some player managers. That oh, were that's true. Yes. Yeah. But those guys like in the 1880s, there were a couple of 20 year olds, <laughs> because, but, but they were middle aged at 20. So that's you know. true. That's true. That's true. But like throughout the 1960s, th- I mean, throughout the, ni- the 20th century and to today, there's only been like two or three that were 33 years old. 
So that's pretty young. And so I would say that, uh, but uh, that on the other hand, like obviously she does get tremendous respect within the organization. I, I think that's why she ended up being the first, you know, woman to coach on the field because that's just where she ranked it on the staff. Obviously, you know, that, uh, you know, she has been promoted and throughout the organization and there is deep respect for her. So I don't think that that's outside of the realm of possibility within her career. But I'd be very, very surprised if a 33-year-old is going to be the Giants' new manager, uh, whoever, whomever they are. Um, so, so yeah. Uh, the other names on here, Kai Correa and Mark Hallberg, I just, I don't... I mean, I believe more, I, th- I think it would be more likely that Alyssa Nakin would be hired than Kai Correa. Well, I, I, I just think that Kai Correa, that, Kai Correa I, has no chance. Like, I just don't, I just don't see how he has a chance. Like, like I don't think the fans would be behind him. I think he's too much like Kapler in the way that he thinks and the way that he would manage. I think he's the guy. I think he was the brains behind a lot of the choices that they were making in terms of strategic choices during the game and substitutions and lineup making. Like he's the one who's telling Cap what the data says. So I think Kai's just a little Gabe Kapler. So I, I, I why personally. Call, why do you got to call him little? Huh? What's why? why? <sighs> he might be taller than you, Ben. Do we, you know? That's is he. First of all, is he? <laughs> Second of all, have you ever seen him and Kapler next to each other? <laughs> They're like yeah. twins, but one of them is a little bigger than the other. All right. Okay. All right fair enough. That being Proceed. said, I think I think Mark Hallberg seems like a very, very strong candidate. But, you know, like you said, it's all in the interview, I think. Right. I, I my My suspicion is, Matthew, that there's one person that the Giants really, that, that, that Farhan really has his eyes on, or it's an open field. Right. And that, that anybody could get this. Now, certain people might be ahead of others, but, but I would, I would say that this is an open field and, and, uh, and anybody, any of these names that we're hearing could come out. And you said that there was a new name, right? Well, yeah. Or so a couple of names that we've heard, uh, is Donnie Ecker, who yeah. former hitting coach who left, to the Rangers uh, to become their assistant manager slash bench coach. And uh, I heard that he is now a candidate to be interviewed, to be the manager for the Giants, which, you know, if they brought him back, maybe, you know, the Giants had one of their best statistical years in hitting in the history of their organization when he was the hitting coach. So there is some intrigue there. Uh, and then Susan Slusser uh, reported today on on Sunday as we record that uh, Stephen Vote will be interviewed as a candidate. So, uh, which we talked about last week, and so I think that uh, things are starting to move along. And one thing that is is notable about these names so far is that they all are very young. Uh, so, and and all uh, are first time managerial candidates. You know, or none of them have been a manager before in the major leagues. So. Uh, I think that's interesting. Uh, I don't know if we can read too much into that, but you know that fact that they're not going with some of the you know established managers, uh, I think you know could be a good thing, I guess. I mean, I don't know. I, I think I heard somebody somewhere say the data says that 
that first-time managers don't do as well as managers. Well, I think Farhan side. actually said that when he hired Kapler because he was trying to make the case that the second time around that they've learned a lot. And so, yeah, right. but now he's going ahead and interviewing a bunch of first-time managers. Well, I mean, on the inverses, is it like in a, a retread old older guy um, is – you know, isn't going to bring anything new, is not going to be very energetic, is not going to do things differently. Although I think if you brought in an older guy into this organization, he would, even if he did traditional things, it would be different than the organization is doing. And so that might be a good mix. But I don't know. I mean, I'm sure like a lot of people had probably won the World Series with their first team as a manager. Right. And so... I don't know what the data is, but that just intrinsically seems true to me that like most most teams winning the World Series are probably doing so with a with their first manager, maybe not in their first year. But I don't expect the Giants to be World Series contenders next year. Although with the playoff format as that is now, all you got to do is make the playoffs and you can, you know, like I said, it's just three coin flips. Yeah. And and you're there. So, so yeah, so like, I, I think, uh, I, I don't really think that's a big concern. I, to me, it still comes down to, can you develop young players at the major league level and can you create a clubhouse where everybody is pulling together and believes and understands the strategy, which to me is really just about communication. Can you communicate with the broader group and the individual's um, and with the younger players, right? Just communicate, communicate, communicate. Give me somebody who can do that, and I, as a fan, will be happy. Yeah, I think there are two things that this manager needs to do that are different than what we've had. And one is that communication that you speak of, I think, not just to the players, but to the fans. Being personable and being approachable, I think, from the fan base's perspective, which is something that Kapler certainly wasn't. And And I think they also need to be personable enough to attract uh, the free agents that uh, this team so desperately needs. And we will get into in a little bit as far as, you know, what we need to do to, to change up this roster. So uh, I don't know any of these people, you know, you know, we saw a little bit of Kai Korea speak at the end of the season as the interim manager. Uh, We've seen a couple interviews with Alyssa Nakin. I don't know if I've ever seen Mark Hallberg or Donnie Ecker or even Steven Vogt, be interviewed, you know, in that respect. So I don't know. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how this all shakes out. And what I do know is that, you know, these are these five candidates that we've just talked about are just there's, there will be more. And some of them are currently in the postseason. So we'll see how that shakes out. I think Correa, Nakin and Voke are all very good in front of a camera. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I liked Kai, like, you know, like I said, I don't think he should be the next manager, but I liked him in those last few days. He just seemed very, very comfortable in that job and speaking to the media. I, Alyssa's been, you know, she's been interviewed a billion times and so has tons of experience and I think is very, very well-spoken and good in front of a camera. And I have seen Stephen Vogt be interviewed as a player. And so, yeah, like I, I think those three, yeah, uh, Ecker and, and Hallberg, I don't know, but I think that uh, so far they seem to be picking people who are strong at that, yeah. strong at the communication skills, at least, at least in a sense of, you know, the media. Okay, so that's the managers. Stay tuned. Yeah. Stay tuned because you know we will maybe maybe in the next couple of weeks we will have a decision. But that's not the only decision that needs to be made, Ben. No. 
in fact, uh, we were looking at the 40 man roster and yeah. the 40 man roster includes, well, there's it's 40 plus because you've got guys on the 60 day IL that also kind of factor into decisions. So there's probably 42 to 45. I didn't count them all, but there's give or take, you know, between maybe 45 or fewer players that we need to kind of account for going into next year. Some of these are pretty easy because, you know, I, I, well, before we get into that, I think that the, the thought that I have going into next year, and you can certainly tell me if you agree or not, is they cannot come back in the spring with the same roster that we have now. No. And, and so, but, but as we will get into, that's easier said than done when you look at contracts and some of the things that uh, kind of factor into the decision-making process, it's not as clear cut. And, and so I think there are some, and maybe we should start off with those first who will not be back no matter what. Right. And, you know, those are the low lying fruit that we can probably just say, thanks for being a giant. Uh, but they won't be back next year. I'm going to throw out two names right off the bat for those to get them out of the way. One is Brandon Crawford. Uh, yeah. you know, yes. we, we all said goodbye yeah. to him as kids throughout the first pitch on the last game. We all know that whether he decides to play or not again, it won't be for the giants. Yeah. Uh, the second is, is Pusoy clubhouse champion, Jock Peterson. Uh, I, I think it's safe to say that Jock will not be back. He's already been offered the qualifying offer once. He was our so highest paid position yep. player. Can't get it again. Uh, I don't think the Giants have any interest in signing him to a longer term deal, uh, especially after kind of went, went down the last week. So I think we're safe to say that Jock is gone as well. Right. And he's he's just a, he's a DH who can only hit one side of the... You know, he's, a, he's a platoon DH. And he wasn't very good at that yeah. in the in, in this season. So I don't think not only was he not worth nineteen million dollars, he's not worth any San Francisco Giant money whatsoever. No to Jack Peterson. Then we got a bunch of pitchers. Like yeah, uh, I, think, that, I think some of these are very easy too. Yeah. <laughs> at least like, one well, of them. Alex is. Wood being one. I mean, Alex Wood made very clear by the end of the year that he did not appreciate uh, the way he was handled. And frankly, I think the giants are just as eager to say goodbye to Alex Wood as Alex Wood is to say goodbye to the giants. Yeah. Bridge burned bridge burned. Alex Wood will not be coming back. And I don't think anybody feels bad about that on any side. Yeah. Next one that I'm going to throw out there, Jacob Junis. Now he might not be as uh, maybe he gets brought back. He actually had a quietly good year which was kind of surprising when you look at the numbers. Like I, I didn't expect that. I thought that he had a much worse year than he did, but, uh, but was, was serviceable and fine. But also uh, I think the giants could probably use his roster spot for something better or something with more flexibility. Uh, so I'm going to say that Jacob Junis is also gone. Agreed. I, I, I was less enthralled by him than the, the resounding pump vote of confidence that you just gave him. <laughs> which was which which in reality was lukewarm. Well, it was uh, lukewarm because the Giants didn't seem to really, inv- you know, that he didn't pitch for long periods of time. So, yeah, uh, you know, you kind of assume him, that and he I must think... be pitching really poorly. But then you dig into the numbers. You're like, oh, he was actually not bad. This year. No. Yeah, I think I think he was good in mop up duty. I think he took some L's in some real critical games. I, you know, I think the stats don't like I think this is a case where sometimes the stats don't show how good a player is. I think in this case, the stats don't show how bad the player was. I, I do not want to see Jacob Junis back as a giant yeah agreed uh 
Then then fan favorite. Well, I don't potential fan favorite. I don't know if fans ever kind of warmed up to, but I certainly liked John Brevia. Uh guy shaved right at the you know before the first day of the season and then didn't shave again for the rest of the season. Uh so he looked like a big old mountain man by 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 September. Uh but I I feel like he's also a type of player that could be replaced in-house uh within the farm system. Uh, and you know, we saw that a little bit already with Walker. So I'm going to say that, and you know, and he's a free agent. So I'm going to say that John Brebbia is not coming back as well. I agree. And I, I think before we, we go through every single player and, and, and decide them one by one, I, I, I do want to talk about what the overall strategy should be, because I don't think that this is just get about rid of them all, Ben. That's the strategy. Just, <laughs> just get rid of them all. Right. Uh, well, and I think, I think we're going through these guys early on because they're all free agents. Right. right. So, so they are, there's no, there's so we're no not resigning any of the free agents. Let's just say right. that. Right. Right. I think that's basically it is that we're not resigning any of the free agents. Uh, part of the problem is, is that because the roster itself is already super crowded and none of these guys are what the giants absolutely need. And so I think they're all kind of like, even if they're like, you could say, Oh, John Brebbia has value, right? He's, he's good in the clubhouse because he keeps people loose because of his weird, quirky sense of humor. And he's also somewhat effective, right? Like that's great, but we got a million of those guys. Okay. I know it's not a million because it's only a 40 man roster, but you know what I mean, right? We, we already have uh, too many of those guys. The next one on your list, I think, is the only one that gives me pause. And the only reason he gives me pause is because he's a left-hander. And that's Scott Alexander, who was also a free agent. But Scott's getting a little up there in age. I don't know that that really matters as much for a left-handed reliever. Left-handed relievers can play until they're 70. Um, but, but I think that's the case with Scott Alexander as well. Like, was he bad? No. Could the Giants use a guy who's okay? Yeah, every major league team probably could. Scott Alexander is going to make some money next year from somebody. But I don't think it's going to be the Giants, and I don't think it should be. Because the roster is already super packed, and Scott Alexander isn't necessarily a difference maker. And and that's the situation. So, so yeah, so, so I think all of the free agents, you're right. We're not going to bring any of those guys back. Um, and I know that you have this listed out here, like with infielders and catchers and outfielders, and you have everybody's name. But but I wanted to take a step back and talk a little bit about like what I think the strategic approach should be, rather than just going like, should we keep this guy? Should we not keep this guy? Okay. Because because the problem here is the Giants are full of decent players, right? especially on, but they don't have very many star players, right? Especially on the position player side, on the offensive side of the but ball. They don't have any star players. <laughs> on the offensive I like how side you're of- being so nice. You're like, oh, we don't have many <laughs> star players. Like, oh yeah, there's just a few. No, we don't right. have any star players. Right. On the, especially on, on the offensive side of the ball, you're absolutely right. We have no star players. And, and so what the Giants need to do is they need to get rid of some of these decent players And they need to replace them with star players. Here's the problem. There aren't any star players available on the free agent market this year. There's one. And it's Shohei Otani. And I just don't think that like, like this, you know, I asked you that question at the beginning of the show. Like if you could go get one player, that was the magic wand question. But when you're talking about reality, you can't just tell the Giants, go get Otani. You know, 
Shohei Otani might not want to be a giant, and no amount of money that you're going to give him could convince him otherwise. It may be impossible to get Otani. Yeah. And so you can't change that as the giant. So you may want to get him, and you may try super hard to get him, but he may pull an Aaron Judge on your butt. And so, so this isn't about what you know players we wish we had. This is about the strategy that the team should take to make themselves better. And there just aren't a lot of free agents out there to do that. So the Giants need to get star players. And by star players, I mean somebody who's already an all-star and is less than 30 years old. Uh, or somebody who is projected to be an all-star and is like less than 26. Right? That's what we're looking for. And the only way that you're going to get that is either from Korea, Japan, or by trade with another major league team. And so so that's I think that's the strategy that the Giants need to employ is that they need to bring in difference makers and, uh, via that method. And so the only way that they're going to be able to do that is well one they need to spend a lot of money on on a Japanese or a Korean player through the posting or and both. and then and then saying and then signing him or they need to trade high quality people to get high quality players back you're going to need to trade a lot of people to get one high quality player back and and so that's really i think the strategy that the giants should take yeah. in lieu of that i think they should do everything they can to focus on their current strength which is young starting pitching. They have a good back end of their bullpen and they have good defense. And that's what they should put out on the field if they can't acquire any of those other marquee players. And if they can't acquire any of those other marquee players by any of those methods, then Farhan's fired. Right. So I, uh, that's exactly the point. So I think that that's not going to happen. And so I think what Giants fans have to be prepared for is these good players that we have uh, gone to like could be uh, trade bait or could be, you know, released. And well, I don't know if they released, but I think that, you know, someone like Mike Yastrzemski, for example, mm-hmm. uh, someone like, uh, well, some of the, the rookie pitchers that we, you know, Tristan Beck and Keaton Wynn. I, I think Kyle Harrison might be safe. I think he might be one of the untouchables, but. But I think the Giants, knowing, like, if they went out and got this, uh, was it Yamamoto guy? Uh, yeah, uh, pitcher from Japan. He's yes, really uh, highly regarded, not just fact, by the Giants, uh, but by everybody. Yeah, Farhan said in a, in a podcast last week with, uh, with, 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 with Pavlovich, Pavlovich. That, uh, that Yamamoto is one of the best pitchers on the planet, right? I mean, he said that. And yeah. so if the Giants... <laughs> Brings someone like that, where now all of a sudden you've got Webb and Yamamoto and Cobb if he's healthy, and then a Kyle Harrison and you know whoever the fifth starter is, then that's a huge improvement. It also gives you some leverage to trade some of your younger starting pitching for someone who could be an impact player on the offensive side. Uh, who right. that would be, I don't know. I haven't dug into who the possible names. I know like the the Reds have been kind of bandied around as someone who has a lot of young talent that could use some pitching, those kind of things. So there's trade partners out there for young players that could make an impact at the major league level on offense. Uh, and we would have to deal from our, our strength, which is right. the young pitching. Well, okay. Yeah. Agreed. 
But here I like so I think this is where the problem starts to occur, right? If you acquire like especially if you sign somebody from Japan or Korea, all you're doing is making your roster problem worse. And the Giants already have a roster problem. Like I went through the Giants 40 it's a, man. It's, an, it's a problem in name only though. Like No, it's, it's like, not. No, it's if, they have 30 players that could be on their 26 man roster. That is not a problem in name only. That's four dudes need to get cut. And right. so, but that's, and, that's the solution. I mean, it's not like a difficult solution. Right. No, that, but that's what I'm saying is, is like, that's, that's, so that's the strategic question. Like, you know, so there are four players that, that they um, are arbitration eligible who they could just non-tender. And I think there's a lot of Giants fans out there who think we should non-tender Slater. We should non-tender Yastrzemski. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's plenty anybody who thinks that we should non-tender Wade. And then, and then there's Tyro, right? Obviously, we're not going to non-tender him, but they could just let those four guys walk. Right. But I don't, I don't think that's the smart move, because at least if you sign them, they still have value in trades. That's exactly and, right. And so, and so they should sign all those sign guys. Yeah. Right. And that's what I'm saying to like Giants fans. Like if you see the Giants sign all four of those guys and you start to get angry that that means they're going to bring all of those guys back, it does not mean that. It means that they can now trade those guys. And like, can you imagine like trading Yastrzemski and Slater as a package to somebody? You've just given them an outfield platoon on the bench that's strong on defense, has a lot of quality, you know, can give you quality at bats against one side uh, of, the, of the, you know, a one handed kind of pitching. Mm-hmm. And uh, and they bring a lot of experience with them. Right. So you could almost trade them as a package or you could trade them individually to somebody who needs, you know, one ready or one lefty like that. So Yaz and Slater are both valuable as trade part as trade bait or as trade parts to get those younger impact players that you need. But the problem is, is that like Matthew, I guess the question is, is that that's true, I think, for the entire list of all of these names. So I guess for you and for me, like the list of these, the rest of the names on on the roster is are there who are the people that the Giants should absolutely keep? Because it seems like we agree they should trade anybody and everybody to get younger and better. Yeah. And that includes prospects who aren't on the 40 man roster. And I think you and I pretty much agree like anybody. Mason Black, trade him. Yeah. Wasn't you know? trade, trade him. him. Right. Like any one of those guys should be. um, available to trade for a high quality major league ready player and but what about the rest of these guys names who are on the 40 man roster already of like all of these guys names who would you as a fan not want to see traded so Lamont Wade Jr. Estrada Flores David let's just start with the Davis let's start with the infielders okay Uh, I think on the infield there's no one that's safe uh, for the right price. I, I think that uh, Tyro Estrada probably because he's young and uh, has has value. I think down the road, uh, maybe not trade. Uh, but I J D Davis absolutely. I mean, you know, why would why would you? I mean, he's yeah, right. He could be traded tomorrow, and it wouldn't matter. Right. Uh, Wilmer Flores, I I feel like they should keep him. I mean, he's but a lot of value on the contract side and was our best player last year. So why, why would you, you know, want to get rid of him? Uh, Casey Schmidt, uh, you know, he, he has options. He could be in the minors for all I you know care, but if he's got value on a trade, then yeah. I mean, he didn't show enough this year to be like, Oh, he's absolutely going to be a superstar and we have to keep him. 
Right. Agreed. And I, I mean, I think that's also true for every one of these names, except I, <laughs> I agree we should not trade Wilmer. I just don't think there's any, any value in that where you couldn't trade somebody else who they would want more. And and the fans have like he's one of the few players that I think the fans have created a connection to. I would like to see them not trade Estrada and Luciano as well. Right? Like those are my yeah. three saves. Estrada and Luciano and Flores. But like Wade, Davis, Schmidt, and, and then I don't I mean wisely in VR, I, I don't know that they're trade double, but you know, and they, they don't have to be because they have options and they can be down on the uh they can be in the minors, but I agree with you. I, I think at the end of the day, like if, if they twist your arm, then I'm willing to say goodbye to Estrada and Luciano as well, especially Luciano because because I he hasn't he hasn't contributed for me at the major league level, so I don't really see myself getting worse if I get rid of him. Right, right? Estrada would be harder because I would be like, well, <laughs> that's a lot of value, major league right. value. You got to replace that at second base, and, yeah. and he had a really good, valuable season this last year. So Luciano, me- that's a good point. I mean, right now we're just we're just it's upside, right? We're just focusing on his potential, yeah, and and that potential hasn't been realized yet, right? But it's super valuable in a trade, right? So, so yeah. I I could see him being a guy that you could possibly put in a package. Yes, well, especially would, if you're bringing back a shortstop and you know, right? In, which in you return. would have to do. You would have to do. He would either be have to be somebody that you signed somewhere from somewhere somewhere else, or that you got in in this particular trade or another trade. Right. Because right? yeah. if you're trading him, then you have to have a shortstop. Right. right. I mean, there's there's nobody else right now that could step right. in and, and play that role. I'm not saying that they should trade him. <laughs> right. No, but I'm but saying if the, that if if someone like you know, I mean, it's not, but like Carlos Correa was available on the market, then yeah, you're sending a young Marco Luciano, you know, in that trade deal, right? Because right. they need a shortstop probably as well. So Okay. Yeah. So let's get to the the position that's really important to you. Okay. Well, to me too, because one of my favorite players is actually going to cause more of a roster crunch here. Catchers. Patrick Bailey, Blake Sable, Joey Bart. All of them are on the 40-man roster. Bailey is your starter, so he's going to be there. Joey Bart doesn't have options, so he cannot start the season in the minors, and if you send him to the minors, he's gonna, you have to waive him. Yeah. So Blake Sable does have does have options so he can start in the minors so if you had to keep all three of these guys then you would probably go with bailey and bart on your major league roster and sable in the minor leagues but i don't know that you want to do that and then complicating all of this is that have we ever agreed on how to say his name but sugasti or sugasti Sugasti. I think Sugasti. Sugasti? 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 Something like that. Yeah, whatever. So yeah. anyway, he's 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 up for the Rule 5 draft this year. So if they want to protect him, they need to put him on the five-man, on the, the sorry, on the 40-man roster. So then that would be four catchers on your 40-man roster, which is too many. Yeah, it is. Uh, you know, I feel like the Joey Bart train has has run its course. Right. Um, so so trade or cut. Yes. Uh, I, I Because uh, Joey Bart... I mean, if you look at his numbers, from, I mean, he's defensively, he's a valuable catcher and, and there is value in that and in, in being a defensive catcher, but the giants have that already. Right. And, and so I, I feel like the upside of Blake Sable, uh, his ability to play different positions, uh, his athleticism, I think is higher upside than Joey Bart has shown at this point, particularly when you look at Joey Bart's power numbers. I mean, 
And I know as a backup catcher, that's not what you're expecting, but Joey Bart was expected to be somebody that provided uh, power. Uh, and he's, gosh, I mean, he's hit like three home runs. And, you know, I mean, so I just, and Blake Sable has done, has done it. Uh, this year. And I realized that the easier solution to this is option Blake Sable because now he's no longer protected by the rule five rules and he could be optioned and you bring Joey Bart up as the backup. But I don't know if that really helps anyone. Uh, maybe it helps Blake Sable because he gets to play more mm-hmm. uh, in the, in AAA. Uh, but I don't know if it helps Joey Bart. And, and I, I just kind of feel like Joey Bart's now getting close to 30. He's been around for a while. I, maybe his, he's just a backup catcher. And I don't know if we want to, maybe that is it well, worth but the saving Giants your backup fi- catcher for someone like the upside of Sagasti? Right. Well, the Giants don't think he's a backup catcher because otherwise he would be their backup catcher. Right. So, yeah, yeah, good point. So, yes. so, so the Giants don't think he's a backup catcher. I think he's probably one of the six, 60 best in the world at doing his job. So he probably should be a backup catcher. But the problem is I think they've run this course so long that I don't even know that he has trade value. So I, I I don't know that there's much of a crunch here because I it doesn't really break my heart if Blake Sable starts his his career, starts next season in the minors. I do think that that does mean they need to do something with Sugasti. So who I don't think they just want to let him be picked up in the Rule Five draft. So, but maybe they call everybody's bluff and they think you won't put him on your thing. You won't put a catcher as one of your Rule Five players. <laughs> who would You're do not such a thing? Crazy enough to do that? Yeah. <laughs> Um, but, uh, but yeah, like I, I I think ultimately it's probably Bailey and Sable, but, and Bart needs to be traded. But again, because of the situation the Giants are in, I don't know that anybody's going to trade with them. They're probably just going to wait to see if the Giants just DFA him when the season starts. Right. And And the Giants don't need to rush this decision either. I mean, they uh, only, the only time they, well, I guess I say that, but without, I mean, that 40 man roster spots are going to get valuable. And right. so maybe there is, they that, need that. to, well, they need, and they need to have a spot open for, for their star players that they're going to go pick up. But right. again, so, so we're running clear, we're running up against time, but I do want to get through the outfielders because I think this is where there's also a huge crunch, especially oh as it yeah. comes to the young players that we want and the old players that we have to have on the 26 man roster. If Conforto opts in, and makes this thing a whole lot harder. It's Yastrzemski, Conforto, Haniger, Slater, um, all have to be on the major league roster. So that leaves one spot open for Matos, Meckler, uh, Fitzgerald, and and Heliot Ramos, who who I don't think is, you know, I don't think we're feeling bad about Ramos, but but Fitzgerald is a guy who performed well, and we probably want to see more of him. Meckler was good defensively and you know i don't think anybody wants to close the books on him luis matos showed some promise at the plate and we all think he'll turn into maybe a home run hitter so you know but it's kind of like status quo more of the same if you put all of those guys in the minor leagues so so what do we do this is a mess well i think you know everyone outside of well i think what really needs to happen is conforto needs to opt out and uh if he doesn't opt out, then you're right. This creates this huge conflict of who you know, those guys you named off like Matos and Meckler and Fitzgerald and Ramos all have options. They can start the season in triple a, but only if you go out and get somebody like, uh, like the Korean player, young who Lee, you know, or, you know, you, you could what have, position is he? he's an outfielder. He, he's, he's okay. uh, plays all three outfield spots. Right. Uh, so, 
I could see the Giants bringing in somebody like that. And then you've got Yaz and Hanniger on the corners and Lee in center. Uh, and then you've got, what, Slater as your... As well, your... Slater and, and Yaz are, are probably platooning. Good point. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, so there's... I, I think that that's one option there. If Conforto stays, then you're you're forced to make a decision. Because you, know, you, you just can't... You can't start the season, Ben, with the same outfield that we ended the season with. I agree. That's why this is a disaster. I mean, look at this. This is a mess. This so, is a mess. Like, I so, don't so know. Conforto needs to do them all a favor and opt out. <laughs> right. You know, and, and, you know, Hanager, you, you got to pray that, you know, he's now going to have a bounce back season after, you know, having all these injuries, you know, yeah. some of it wasn't his fault. You know, he got hit by a pitch, broke his arm, whatever. But you got to hope that the Hanager that they signed two years ago now was, is, is going to reemerge because right. if he's not and they decide to stick with him, and he's just a, an albatross around your neck, dude. Right. Well, I think I think you give Hanniger two months, and if he looks like a horrible two months, then you cut him. Yeah. And I don't think the Farhan of 2023 or prior would do that. I hope the Farhan of 2024 will do that, because I would be eating a year and a half. But um, but you can also see why Yastrzemski and Slater see, suddenly look more tradable, right? Uh, and a lot of people would be like, well, why why sign them at all as free agents? Well, because I do think you could trade them for at least something. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah I mean, you're going to get so, something. Yeah. yeah. You're going to get something. And so, but that's only why they become tradable because of this cluster that you have, especially if Conforto opts in. But even if Conforto opts out, especially if you go get somebody like this guy from Korea, what, what was his name? Young Hoo Lee. Young Hoo Lee. Yeah. If you go get him from the KBO, then this becomes a problem again. And so I think you're going to see a lot of movement. And we, I think, would all prefer that the younger guys stay, at least some of these younger guys stay, and the veterans go. Even as hard as that would be, because I think Slater and Yastrzemski especially have been significant contributors to the Giants and, and a few of the bright spots. And even for you Slater haters, like, I mean, just go look at his stats and then come back to me. Okay. On the pitching side... It's kind of equally bad when you talk about starting pitching, Matthew, because at the back end of this mess, well, let's just go through the starting pitchers. Here's the rotation I would like to see next year. Logan Webb, Alex Cobb, Kyle Harrison, Keaton Wynn, Tristan Beck. That's the rotation I would like to see. Hey, you go get Yamamoto and you take out Beck? Fine. Great. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. That's the rotation I would want to see. But Ross Stripling and Anthony Desclafani, and if Sean Manea, if he opts in, all need to be on the major league roster as well. <laughs> Which yeah. is just, again, it's a mess. It is a mess. And that's where, I mean, gosh, I mean, if someone like Tristan, if we don't get, do any moves, we don't bring in someone like Yamamoto. And, and I know there's a couple of other big names out there on the free agent market for pitchers. So if we don't bring in somebody... And we and Tristan Beck has to get sent to the minors so he can keep Ross Stripling. I'm going to be pissed. Yeah, you know, agreed. I, I, and and Ross Stripling had his chance and did not perform. And so sometimes, and we haven't seen this. You know, it, it took him a while for uh, La Stella to get to get DFA'd. 
But I think that they're going to need to cut bait with some of these players that are just, you know, creating log jams in key spots. And we cannot have this going into the season with seven potential starters like we did last year. Yeah, I agree. And so seven I, potential starters and no like defined starters. Yeah. I mean, if, that just doesn't make sense. Anymore. Yeah. If you haven't traded Desclafani and Stripling by the end of the offseason, by opening day, then you should DFA them on opening day, right? I mean, unless Desclafani is healthy and he comes back and he looks like the, his old self, but then you should be able to trade him, right? So, <laughs> so like... Or, and these or are guys he, you want to pitch well in, in spring. Right, yeah. And you want them both to be really, really good in the spring um, because if, if... And again, if they come in and they're not hot, like if they do look good and you do decide to keep them on the roster, then you can't give them more than 30 days. Right. Like because they're just going to bog you down. They're going to become albatrosses around your neck and and they're going to they're going to make the fans angry. They're not going to help you win. And so at least if you brought Win and Beck and put them into a traditional five man rotation, at least the fans are going to have young guys that they can watch develop or at least decide for themselves. Well, I guess this Beck kid's not going to work out. Right. Well, and I think the only thing that would kind of make me feel uh, that Stripling and Discolani have value is if we're taking Win and Beck and turning them into an offensive player that, you know, like we said before, can help, you know, on that side. So then you've got, I mean, Stripling, well, Discolani is not an awful fourth or fifth starter. I mean, I think that that's, uh, if he's healthy, that's fine. I'm not sold on Stripling in any rate case, but, you know, uh, maybe he bounces back too. I mean, he was a good pitcher two years ago. So, I don't know, but I feel like we've got an, and then we've got these other guys, like you mentioned black and Wizenhunt and all these other guys that we've been hearing about in AAA. That is also options. So yeah, I don't think we need to kind of, uh, we don't, the the only thing that's kind of complicated about this is the contracts and it's not my money. No, no. And so I'm like, get rid of them. You know, they're just, it's also not Farhan's money. right. Right. And it's also money already spent. Like you can't get it back. Right. You you can't like squeeze it out of Ross Stripling and have it just appear in a pool below him. Right. Like that money is gone. You've already spent it. And no amount of like hoping that these guys get better is going to bring that money back. And certainly the money that you spent on that isn't exciting for the fans. Right. I, I mean, I get it when you run a you run a big name out there because he's a big name, even if he doesn't have it anymore. But the fans are happy because, you know, he's a name they recognize. Like, but but that's not Ross Stripling. That's no. definitely not Ross Stripling. And that's probably not Disclafani anymore either. So, like, it's money already spent. So there's no point in trying to hang on to these guys because there's just it's a sunk cost. You know, just give it up. Pretend you're giving that money to Beck and win. That's the money that you're giving to let those kids play. Right. And and if you're replacing them with Beck and Win, their their uh, their salaries are significantly less. They're virtually so, zero. So exactly. So it's not like they're impacting the financial outlook of the Giants that much at all. Right. I mean, that's the really the way like you should think about it is that's money you're spending on Beck and Win, not on Disclafani and Stripling. So anyway, I, I think I hope the point is, is that there is a big roster crunch of a lot of middling players. And I'm, I don't mean middling in a bad way. <laughs> right. Yeah, you no, need, teams need these kind of players to yeah. be successful, yeah. which which is a good thing because the Giants have a lot of them and they might be able to trade them. And they also have a lot of young prospects who are kind of making this log jam a little bit worse in a good way. And so 
the Giants really need to take a lot of these guys, not just because they need to make the team better, but because they really don't even have room on the roster to keep all of them and to keep some of these young players coming up. So they need to relieve some of that pressure while simultaneously making the team better. And so the hope is that they can find a way to package some of these players together to entice one of the other 29 teams into giving up an all-star quality player or two, because that's what the Giants desperately need. If they can't do that, then they really, really need to cut some of this old veteran weight and go with lean on the young pitching and play the best defensive players you can, because I think that's the only fallback plan that the Giants have to make next year remotely interesting. Agreed. All right. Well, it'll be very interesting to see how it all works out three months from now. (laughs) (laughs) The first thing first comes mid-November, right? Yes. Yes. Well, arbitration and then also, oh, and then the opt-outs. The opt-outs are five days after the World Series ends. So that's another big one. So like, I don't think we should feel bad if any of these guys opt out, no. right? I think we, we all know that Stripling's going to opt in. That's kind of a given. Um, but Manea and Conforto are not sure things, especially Manea. Manea seems to be the one that is like super razor thin because I see a lot of conflicting reports about whether he should or shouldn't. Everybody seems to agree that Conforto should because they think while he might get a lower value by year, they think he may be able to get a longer contract. And get yeah, more particularly because money. the free agent uh, pool is not that strong. Right, right. So, but but who knows? We'll see what happens. Like, you know, $19 million is a lot of money to give up. Um, so is $12 million, which I think is what Manea is owned, owed. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. And, uh, you know, but, but if they both opt in, or either of them's opt in, it definitely creates more of a roster crunch. So it should be super interesting. Well, what's the answer to the trivia question, Matthew? So today's trivia question was, what former Padre Dodger went to the same high school as Casey Schmidt? And you said, Steve, not my Padre, Garvey, Garvey, and uh, that was... Garvey. Yes, here I am. It's, it's, He's so fancy. That's my answer is more sophisticated now. Yes, it's it's yes. Steve Garvey, Matthew. Exactly. Yes, yes. So, uh, which is not the answer. Steve Garvey Aww. and Garvey is not the answer. <laughs> the answer is Adrian Gonzalez. Oh, yeah, that guy. Both attended Eastlake High School in Chula Vista, which is where I lived for 10 years when I was living in San Diego. So, uh, Adrian Gonzalez, uh, former Padre... Red Sox, if I believe, for yes. like a year or two, and then yes. Dodgers, yes. and uh, and then and the Casey Schmidt both went to East Lake High. Yeah, and a very very good player for a very long time. Yeah, he's in the Hall of Very Good. He is in the Hall of Very Good. Deserves to be. Man, these are some stats. All right, career OPS plus one twenty nine, uh, career WAR of forty three. We only hope that Casey Schmidt has a career like that. If Casey Schmidt has a career a quarter that good, I'll be happy. All right. Well, looking ahead then, Ben, uh, we got cocktails. 
I will be bringing the uh, an original called The Highland Harvest, which you can learn all about on Thursday's Happy Hour episode. Ben, what are you drinking? I am drinking an original in honor of Halloween called The Bitter Blood Curse. Ooh. And it, yeah, yeah, it's got a great start, a really interesting middle, and then the finish is kind of a curse. It's an experience. All right. So make sure you stop by on Thursday to hear about Ben's curse and my harvest. And uh, I guess until then, uh, don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already done so. Give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. That would be amazing. Go over and punch that five-star rating. Uh, That would be great. Uh, And uh, also don't forget to follow us on the social medias, uh, Twitter, Instagram, and Mastodon and Threads. We're on all four. Uh, Give us a follow on any of those and uh, interact with us. Love to to hear from you. All right. Having said all that, I think we're going to wrap this up, Ben. Uh, It's been great chatting with you. Until next time, cheers, my friend. Cheers, Matthew. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Giant Cocktails Podcast. Until next time, bottoms up. Beepy to poopy po. Conforto's gonna opt in just to piss me off, isn't he?